It's October 26, 1996. And what I got by Sublime is number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart. Sorry, I forgot it was me. <laughs> Not what I have got. <laughs> what have I got? There's no contraction. <laughs> Jackson, I, I, yeah. Okay, okay, all right. It's implied. The 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 v what is I, implied. What I have. Yeah, what, what I, I have got. What I have gotten. <laughs> yeah. Hello and welcome to Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. I am Quillen. I'm Trav. I'm Al, and this is a podcast where we talk about every song that reached number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart in the '90s, beginning with Kurt Cobain's death in April 1994. Today we'll be talking about What I Have Begotten, the first single from Sublime's self-titled third and final album. Uh, What I Got spent three weeks at the top of the modern rock chart. I don't cry when my dog runs away. I don't get angry with the things I got to say. I don't get angry when my mom smokes pot. Skips the bottle and goes right to the rock. Fucking and fighting, it's all the same. Living with Louis Dog's the only way to stay sane. Let the loving, let the loving come back to me. You know, you know all those words. Rick a 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 Oh yeah, nice. Early in the morning, this is just be the podcast. Still got <laughs> into the street. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> I just think Lou Dog is so funny. Uh, he's he's talking about Lou Dog, and at least the first two songs. Lou Dog is the sublime mascot. It's Bradley Knowles' Dalmatian. Oh, and which he um, sings about within, and what I got, yeah. Yes, and and in the first song, Garden Grove, he says, We took this trip to Garden Grove. It smelled like Lou Dog inside the van. <laughs> <laughs> oh, smelled like Lou Dog inside cool. the van. We all know it's, I think part of what's funny is like what that smells like. <laughs> yeah, that's what makes it funny is the 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 what's up dog <laughs> joke. Oh, it's like he's daring us to say, "What's Lou Dog?" Be like, oh, I don't know. Don't know. What, what's Lou Dog with you? Yeah, <laughs> it's like a dick four. <laughs> well, um, divisive band. I certainly feel like I know some people who who really dislike this band and everything that they stand for. Uh, how do you all feel about? What I got. Uh, let's start with Travis. I think this is really enjoyable. Um, I thought I hated Sublime because the whole like reggae kind of like bimbo Ketis vibes that he puts out <laughs> where it's like good time all the time. Kind of thing. I believe it's now referred to as a himbo. A himbo, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's you know, California, California himbo. And, uh, you know, just hanging out with Lou Dog, smoking <laughs> and drinking and uh, just vibing, bro. And mm-hmm. um, I was like, man, this is going to suck. 
and it doesn't. It's really cool. It's not cool. It's uh, enjoyable. Like, mm-hmm. I just really had mm-hmm. a good time listening to it. Um, I don't like to, songs we're talking that sound about, like this. We're talking about the song, right? Just yeah, I guess. Song. I, yeah. I, I, now I'm coming, coming back to it a little bit. I kind of expanded more into, like, my thoughts about the album. But as far as the song goes, I have always liked it. And I don't like songs that sound like this, but I mm. like this. It's two chords back and forth, super simple, super melodic and bright and sunny and upbeat. And he's got kind of a sneaky, great voice mm-hmm. um, that just kind of pierces through everything. And he sings well, yeah. he uses it well. Um, it's bad on some songs song. on the album, but um, yeah. It's hard to separate you know, from the feeling that like, oh, we're heading towards simultaneously Everlast and weirdly like Jack Johnson and Jason Mraz yes. in a way. Yeah. Do you get that vibe? Oh, absolutely. There's a there's a beach campfire thing mm-hmm. going on here that is trouble. <laughs> it spells trouble. Yes. It's not a good musical vibe. I think Travis and I both share just the uh, an incredibly intense hatred of the big Jason Mraz song. Um, what's it called? I'm yours. I'm yours. Yeah, it, it's it's just the it's it's the it's the setting that I'm picturing. It's the simplicity of the music, and it's also sort of like the peace sign tattoo kind of. Uh, the the lyrics are kind of soulfully just kind of floating around the chords that that can be trouble but um i don't know how much this does for me now but uh when i was a kid this was the coolest i mean i remember this was one of those songs that i waited with my finger on the record buttons that i mm. could tape off of the radio because it was such a mix of things I mean, it was a song that was just about like, hey, lovin', man, lovin's cool. But it like had rap in it, and it had acoustic guitar in it, and and like um, dirtiness, like it it had some swears and like yeah, some edgy uh, yeah, which was hard yeah. for me as a kid, as a cr- good Christian kid, I had a hard time with Sublime, um, because they were so vulgar. <laughs> um, I like this song more now than like I ever have in my life. Um I like <laughs> songs that sound like this actually. Um uh-huh. with the exception of maybe like Fly by Sugar Ray. Um mm-hmm. but like I like yeah acoustic guitar and I, I think I used to think this the drums on this were sampled or or a loop or something and maybe they are looped but they gotta be live drums and um it, it's a cool beat though the drums sound great um and yeah it's just a lot of stuff a lot of things are going on in this song mm-hmm. melodically it's really really catchy and good and um yeah I, I really really dig dig the song actually and and actually i don't think i hate any of the singles from this album but we can talk more about that at a, a okay. later on sneaky best moment of the song i think it only happens once for one split second orchestra hit? orchestra hit mm. yeah <laughs> it's mortal combat so style silly. yeah orchestra hit i don't cry when my dog runs away i don't get angry at the bills i have to pay i don't get angry when my mom smokes pot hits the bottle and goes right to the rock fuck it fuck Inter- yeah yeah, yeah. I, interesting i that's definitely a moment i for me it's the um I don't cry when my dog runs away part like that, which is where the orchestra yeah. hit. Yeah. It's, it's the, ne- the next, it's actually the yeah, next line that the orchestra hit right. comes in. I, yeah. I, I, that is, I guess my favorite section of the song. Yeah. There, there is something about that vocal delivery on, I don't cry the when melody, my dog runs the, away. The melody's that, great. It sounds so tossed off and casual yes. and like a kind of a fun way. Yes. Yeah. I think that this band is, it will get to it more when we talk about the album, but, um, I have plenty of reservations about them, but uh, they're really skillful hybridizers. I think the mix of things they're doing here is really effortless, mm-hmm. how it all comes together. 
Um, one other memory about this, uh, my friend Scott, well, we all wanted this album when we were, I guess in sixth grade, maybe we all wanted this album, but it had a parental advisory sticker. And we really thought that when we went to the record store, like, you know, the heavily pierced and tattooed record store clerk, probably making minimum wage. Hang on. I've got to make sure the cat didn't. Okay. Um, that the, the severely apathetic record store clerks would like ask to check our IDs and then turn us away and call the police or something like that. Um, so, uh, our friend Scott, um, he like did some chores for his parents or something like that. And they said that they would get him a CD, any CD. And he just kind of sneakily said, this is like strategizing. He was like, can I get the, the sublime CD? And he got it. And there was like no problem. And of course, later on, we realized that the record store clerks did not care whatsoever <laughs> about whether we were buying albums with parental advisory stickers on them. But he didn't. that was like what an event it was. It was like, you know, trying to get into an R-rated movie. It was like something felt like a big challenge for us. He didn't like hold the CD up to his parents with with his thumb over the sticker. So I'm like, hey, <laughs> he, can I get this? This he might cool. have. <laughs> that would have been smart. Um, yeah, it, it that makes just makes me think about um, the fact that like later on in high school, we would always go to record exchange on South U in Ann Arbor. And the guy who ran it would like regularly tell us like, why are you spending all this money on music when you could be spending it on drugs? <laughs> and we were like, you know, we were like 15 years old. Uh, so obviously, you know, these people weren't trying to police our listening habits or anything. Um, What's this song about? Lovin' and Bradley Knowles' possession thereof. Mm-hmm. All right. I would just add it's also about Lou Dog. <laughs> Shout out to Lou Dog. R.I.P., I assume. And his oh, mom's smoking pot definitely. and hitting the bottle and going right to the rock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is... Uh, Oh, this was um, this did well on the pop chart too. Uh, number twenty nine on the Billboard Hot one hundred chart. Any uh, any insight into why this might have made that kind of mainstream appeal? I mean, it is it is a pop song, right? Like it it yes. I mean, it's a pop song. Yeah, it, it's a pop song made by a punk ska band. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, it's not so surprising. Man, See, the I love would... the love for this song is deep, though, man. I don't know if you scrounged the uh, songmeanings.com. Dude, I I couldn't. Nobody was talking about what the song meant. Everybody was talking about how good it was. Um, Let me share my favorite comment Um, from user Sublime9117. This is possibly the greatest song ever written by Sublime. (laughs) It is my favorite of theirs. And I have all of the Sublime CDs. Whoever Jakester7603 is should seriously rethink the music they listen to. Because as we all know, Sublime is the best band ever. (laughs) Pretty good. I mean, there are a lot of comments that were like that. Um, A bit biased. (laughs) It's pretty interesting. Coming from Sublime9117. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, this band just, like, had a, a, a massive following, right? Like, I'm sure we all had friends in school at the time who were super into Sublime. And I, I think that this is, the song just had major crossover. Um, uh, yeah, it was just a, a major crossover um, song. I kind of want to, yeah, I kind of wanted to mention, you know, Quillen mentioned that they're, uh, he described them as a ska punk band. And I know that Wikipedia did as well, but like on this album, they are not a ska punk band. They are reggae pop rock bands. There are mm-hmm. Scott's moments on the album, but. And there, and there are punk moments. <clears throat> yes, but few and far between. And I don't think just playing like that a little bit determines who you are they are far more of a reggae band yeah like 
presentation and 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 in practice like their songs are primarily reggae on reggae this pop. album right yeah, on this I, album yeah. yeah i i totally agree trev i, I did you ever uh, in your youth when you were a fan of ska and punk music did you ever consider sublime in like the same realm as like even the popular ska punk bands in the 90s <sighs> Like even like boss tones and Rubik fish and stuff. I, I did kind of, kind of, but I was, I was not as, uh, I don't know. Like I couldn't see it as clearly as I feel like I can now. Yeah, sure. Like I didn't have an understanding of the full spectrum of reggae, ska, punk, everything, you know, how, like how far reaching it could be. Um, so it's just like, you got some up, upstrokes. Okay. You're a ska band. Mm -hmm. And I think especially around 96 and 97, like the, you know, music machine was going to make it that way or promote it that way sublime and no doubt have some some ties um either scene ties or collaboration ties and things like that um they kind of occupy the same they do world in some ways yeah yeah i I, i'm not sure if gwen stefani actually guested on some early sublime stuff but um in the uh the no doubt tragic kingdom concert film that I have watched probably five or six times in my life. <laughs> um, they cover sublime and they like pay tribute to Bradley mm. Noel as, as if he's a friend. I think that, mm. I think that there is a connection there. Um, music video, any thoughts, anything that you noticed? I thought it was, you know, there's, they were limited by what they could do because their singer was dead at the time that they promoted this. And probably by the time they were recording the music video. Um, so it was just kind of a collage of clips and things like that. And it worked, it was fine. It looked cool. Um, but I was really honestly blown away by the Santeria video, which hmm. I hadn't sat down and watched. I don't and think I've, I've heard that it. song so many times. I mm-hmm. never want to hear it again. Mm-hmm. But that video was wonderful. It is huh. like life affirming and heartwarming and just really great. And it features Debo from the Friday movies, a.k.a. Oh. Zeus from No Holds Barred. Okay. I loved that song so much when I was a kid. Santeria? Yeah, yeah. It was pure every pleasure center in my brain just getting getting jacked. I think it's even more popular than what I got now. Like I hear it more mm-hmm. frequently now. And I hear I hear it a lot. Mm-hmm. On like classic rock radio and stuff. I huh. feel like later on in the 90s like in the late 90s and early 2000s i feel like santeria started getting more radio play on 89x than um what i got um yeah just for perspective santeria peaked at number three on the modern rock yeah it was still it was still huge yeah and it was on the pop charts too i think yeah yeah 43 on the pop chart according to your notes yeah um Album. This is the self-titled album with the iconic back tattoo on the cover. Um, I was intimately acquainted with this album as a young person, and it didn't take long for me to remember what I liked and disliked. Did either of you actually listen to this album when you were kids? I I did not listen to it as a kid. I No, <laughs> not as a kid. I thought I didn't, but I knew Caress Me Down so well <laughs> that I had to have heard, you know, it was probably on a mixtape from a friend or something like that. I had friends who kind of like cherry picked some sublime songs, um, mm-hmm. listeners of the pod that I won't out. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I, I knew Caress Me Down super well. 
Um, that was a good, good song for a teenager to giggle yep. at. It's got the line, May Amo Bradley, I'm hornier than Ron Jeremy. <laughs> Pretty good. I know what song you're talking about now. <laughs> uh-huh. And I think that, well, you mentioned being Christian and struggling with some of that. I think that I, I struggled with that song mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Yeah, I think but, that's part of why I never listened to it when I was a kid. Um, mm-hmm. I think I was... I was able to get some stuff under the radar because of my brother. Um, uh, but I think by this point, um, he was at college and like, I just, uh, I think I was just a little, I even like aside from my parents, I think I was just a little uncomfortable, um, mm-hmm. with some of the lyrics and, um, and you guys were also younger than than I was like I like yeah got I mean two and three years on you respectively so it was mm-hmm. e- easier and more comfortable for me to laugh at I'd I'd had my yeah. Adam Sandler phase and you know kind of <laughs> kind of gotten through all that and it was like I was ready for for the next uh you know kind of shock this was thing. this was the beginning of seventh grade for me which was like a rough year um all around so yeah yeah that totally makes sense. Um, listening to the album now, it was surely hot garbage. Um, it was, it was horrible for me. I couldn't listen to an entire song outside of any of the singles. Um, hmm. yeah, it, it was, and I liked Ska and I liked 311 when I was a kid and I just, no, I couldn't do it. Couldn't, couldn't make it through. I think that there's a very good 10-track album uh, buried in here. And actually, it's it's almost entirely on the front end. I think that this album is solid through the first seven or eight tracks. And in fact, I would take those seven or eight tracks and add Doing Time and honestly caress me down yeah. to make a 10-track album. And I think it would be really good. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, in the second half, there's just a lot of kind of tossed off. Not, I, I think there are two things going on. One of them is that some of the songs on the second half are really, really casual. There's a song about like getting a burrito. Uh, there's uh, some there. Are, there's one or two songs that are kind of poorly recorded, and then they also kind of. Um, I understand it, but they sort of get more into their dub influences uh there's a moment where there's this song called pawn shop and i totally understand them like the influence behind it and and why they're doing it but the whole album just completely stops dead in its tracks at that point and uh i lose interest so i i I never i don't think that this time through i don't think that i ever really fully listened to the second half it it got pretty boring yeah, I wonder if they felt like a self-imposed pressure to kind of like get all their material out at that time because yeah. it was like their last shot and that's what they knew they were going to do. So it was like, you know, we can either do this or we can have like the the posthumous album two years later, which will sell like not as well. Um, and so it almost seems like they lumped way too much together because the album is too long. It's mm-hmm. 17 tracks and over a little over an hour, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like you said, Al, like I liked a lot of it, but like I've only got so much attention that I'm willing to pay to the whole thing. It was like, yeah, especially like they established, they did a really good job of like establishing this like cartoony kind of um, caricature of themselves as a band. Like, where they're throwing out things that they like and it's like, it defines them in a very like superficial sort of way where it's like, you know, the beach, ska, Lou dog getting high. <laughs> like, and it's like, Oh yeah, this is, this is what I'm listening to that you're, you're really painting a picture for me here. <laughs> and, and it never takes itself too seriously. And it just kind of feels uh-huh. like it's like, it's like having fun playing dress up for a, uh-huh. a bit of it, you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I kind of like I enjoyed it to to some extent, but uh, not for the full hour. Give me twenty thirty minutes, and I can I can manage. Yeah, yeah, thirty minutes sounds good. 
even so, even thirty minutes is too much. Yeah, for me, uh, yeah. The the big behind the scenes story of this album was that Bradley Noel, who is the leader of the band, was found dead from a heroin overdose in May 1996. So what I got, which was released in August, and the album, which was released in uh, late July, were released posthumously. Um, I guess I'm curious to hear how you think that might have affected the album and what sort of Noel's and the band's legacies are. I would think it had to draw a little more attention to the album. Mm-hmm. Um, which benefited it, but I, I would have had to think that like the songs were, the singles were strong enough that had that not happened, it would have been just as successful. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think these singles would have succeeded either way. Was, do either of you know, like was, um, was this an, Allison Chains and Stone Temple Pilots type situation where like the band knew that Bradley Noel was struggling with this and and that it was a drawn out thing um or was was this sudden um do either of you know I don't yeah, know at I all no, no I didn't do research on that yeah yeah all I can say is I think that um I think that the songs would have held up either way, but I think the fact that he's sort of a cult figure now probably has a lot to do with the fact that he died young. Mm-hmm. Is he in the 27 club? Maybe. Mm. Uh, let's, let's check real quick. I feel like I would have known. I think I've got a pretty good grasp on who's in the 27 club. 28. He was 28 and he just missed it. The 27 Club is, of course, the uh, club of talented people who died when they were 27. Cobain, Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Mama Cass. uh, Jim Morrison, (laughs) Amy Winehouse. Jim Morrison, Amy Winehouse. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure I think the list goes on a lot longer than that. What's the deal with how many versions of this song are there? Like eight, I was nineteen. I, I don't know. I I think I was more familiar with that when I was young than I am now. There are like so. There's, there's the two on the album, right? On the album, and I I'm sure I heard the reprise on the radio sometimes too. Mm-hmm. Sometimes maybe even more so than the uh, album mm-hmm. track. It felt like. Nah. And then I swear there's some kind of like combination of the two where like some things are missing. Um, I, I could be entirely misremembering it, but I feel like I've heard some variation with like different takes between the two uh, versions of the song. Um, I don't know. The reprise seemed entirely unnecessary. It's not even a reprise. It's a different take mm-hmm. of the song. Yeah. It's yeah, the full it song. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> definitely seems like the album's padded. Yeah. Um, other singles we talked about Santa Ria peaked at number three mm-hmm. on the modern rock chart and 43 on the pop chart. Anything else to say about Santa Ria? No, I, I think I'm with Trav though. Like I, I, I think I'm in between the two of you. I, I loved it as a kid. I would be fine with never hearing it again in my life. Uh huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's the appeals worn off, mm-hmm. uh, for the most part but yeah like you're right al that that guitar solo was really good Uh, next single, this is probably my current favorite song on the album, Wrong Way. Nice. Peaked at number three on the modern rock chart and 47 on the pop chart. I don't remember hearing this on the radio at all, 
but oh. uh, it's it's a really well crafted song. Mm. That's interesting, Al. I feel like eighty nine X played it all the time, and I feel like I remember seeing the M- the video on MTV a lot too. It's possible um, that I owned the album by that point, and so it just didn't uh, register anymore. I don't know. I, Wrong way is awesome. It's totally mm-hmm. awesome. Awesome. Uh, the trombone solo is mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. I just I think that was probably the first I mean I know there's trombone in it but I think this was probably the first like hornless punk ska song that I'd ever heard like I I remember first hearing it and being like where where are the horns this is like a ska song where are the horns <laughs> and then the trombone solo eventually comes in like oh and, and cool it's a it's a cool move um I love the tempo. The drums sound great on it. Great melodies. Um, yeah, totally. What, two minutes? I think barely, barely two minutes long. Huh. Mm. Yeah, I didn't look at the length. Kinda and those those uh, shifts in the verses between, like, the chords, it kind of goes back and forth between two chords. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then it, like, shifts over to, like, a different sort of thing. I wouldn't even mm-hmm. see it's, like, a different key, but it it feels so fresh each time that it happens. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a, it's like a whole step interval. So I I don't know what key it's in, but if you imagine it's in G, he's going back and forth between G and F. And then I think there's just a part where he just moves it up and he starts going C to B flat. Yes. I think that's basically what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. But it works. It works so well. The song is basically the same thing over and over and over, right? Like there's not really Mm -hmm. a chorus person. And a trombone solo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the trombone sticks after the solo, like it kind of like almost is like a call and response thing between the vocals and, and trombone. It, it's cool. It's a really cool song. Yeah. Um, And the next single was Doing Time. Yeah. Recently covered by Lana Del Rey. Uh, peaked at number 28 on the modern rock chart and 87 on the pop chart. This one hasn't aged great for me, but it's a very well-produced song. I think it's incredible. It has vibraphone on it, so it must have been produced by John Bryan. <laughs> um, I think it's awesome. It's the best song on the album. Yeah. Might have got five stars from me if it were doing if if we had an episode wow. on it. I love uh, doing time; it's great, and I liked the Lana Del Rey version until Alec, you like shattered my perception of it by just saying it's like, you know, somebody doing like a moody cover of a an old song for like a car commercial or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, I think I sent you all of the, th- this is actually a thing, Lana Del Rey's movie trailers. You shouldn't have taken the book. We woke something up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was where, like, oh, God, you're right. Never mind. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I, I, I really roll my eyes at her. I know that a lot of people really loved that most recent album, but, um, yeah, there I are a know. lot of eye rolling kind of things that she says. Mm-hmm. Um, 
sometimes great songs, sometimes obnoxious. Um, yeah, but. But well, I didn't mean to shatter anything, but uh, it's not a huge loss. <laughs> Trev, I'm with you on this version of Doing Time. It slaps. It's awesome. Production's great. Vocal performance is insanely good. Uh, I love the bass line. Um, yeah, it's got this cool, hazy, like noir like kind of feel to it mm. um yeah it, it's it's cool it, it was my favorite song my favorite single of theirs i remember when it first was released i was like oh this is now this is the shit and um yeah it, it holds holds up it's i think still the best song best single of theirs best sublime song i would probably also give it a five wow wow okay um non single tracks i've got a couple that i uh like a lot i'm gonna um, see myself out of this conversation <laughs> uh, i mean i'm just gonna go through the track list same in the end is a is a really fast ska song that's very cool that was the only one i had anything to say about it was sweet the speed was great uh-huh. and when it gets to the chorus and it has those enormous distorted guitars it's a pretty cool yeah Um, April 29th, 1992 is kind of peak himbo Bradley Noel. Yeah. Uh, it's about the Rodney King riots, but the song is entirely about the great haul he got from looting the stores. <laughs> it's all about how he got a great new TV and he got a great oh guitar. My God. And uh, that seems to be the peak of his understanding of what the Rodney King uh, riots were about (laughs) is all the cool shit he got. Um, uh, The song seed is, is like crazy fast punk that then goes into Scott, a variety of tempos. It's a big mess, but it's a kind of a fun, big mess. Um, Yeah. uh, Those are the ones that I particularly like. And caress me down. Crest Me Down is fine with me. I mean, it's got some cool... I like the keyboard sounds in it. Um, just to really get authentic about our reggae experience, it, uh, there's some sounds in it that really appealingly remind me of UB40. <laughs> 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 Talk about the charts. Yeah. Number one on the mainstream rock chart is Me Wise Magic by Van Halen. Do you believe? Featuring <laughs> uh, David Lee Roth. Yeah. What, you, what does this song title mean? It's obvious. Me Wise <laughs> Magic. Yeah. Don't Mimi. you trust him? Mimi's so tired. <laughs> like that's what it makes me think of. Like, what the fuck? Me wise magic. Yeah, I'm a wise man and a magic man. <laughs> Mimi wise magic. That sounds like the plan for me. <laughs> this song sucks. The guitar is is very cool, but I don't think it's a song. The vocal performance is odd. Yeah. It feels like they were they were clamoring for scraps so that were usable from whatever vocals David Lee Roth performed. 
Why the hell is Van Halen even on this chart anymore? Right? Because it was the time it, they put out a greatest hits collection. Yeah, I saw and that. And Sammy had left the band, and then they were going to bring David Lee Roth back in, and they cut Me Wise Magic. And God, there might have been a second song too. And, there was. I don't know what it is though. And then they presented Beck with the Best Artist Award at the MTV Music Awards, and uh, Eddie hated the way that DLR was acting, and then fired him like almost immediately after hiring him again. Wow. And then they hired Gary Sharon, and the rest is history. <laughs> Uh, on the pop chart, Macarena is finally giving way um, to No Diggity by Blackstreet, a song I liked a lot when Ooh, I was a kid. Great. Yeah. What an upgrade. Yeah. Yes. Massive upgrade. No, yeah. It's pretty, no diggity pretty is, funky song. No Diggity the, is crazy. The, it's great. The very um, percussive use of uh, piano yeah. on the song uh, is very cool. Teddy Riley, who wrote a lot of uh, New Jack Swing in the early 90s, he was in the the group guy uh, who had hmm. some hits in the late eighties too um, was the primary artist behind black street. I think I remember, I think getting that album and being disappointed by it. Mm. I think it was more sort of mushy R and B ballads than I was prepared for. I think that is true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The song, the, uh, mm, part is awesome mm-hmm. awesome like i don't know it, and uh dun 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 dun, dun. that's yes. a kind of a new jack kind of a new jack fill but it's on piano yes. Yes. it's pretty cool with my mellow accent still moving this flavor with the homies black street and teddy the original rough shakers down good lord baby got them open all over town Strictly bitch, you don't play around Cover much grounds, got game by the pound Getting paid is a forte Each and every day, true play away I can't get her out of my mind Wow. I think about the girl all the time wow, wow. Yeah. yeah, cool, great Totally, totally content with that being number one Yeah Um. Okay, modern rock chart uh, the first thing that I was going to make a note of is Don't Speak by No Doubt is at number 17, the Spanish guitar ballad that was probably the biggest uh, pop hit from this record. Um, although I believe uh, No Doubt never charted on the pop charts because you have to release physical singles in order to mm-hmm. chart on the pop chart. And uh, from Tragic Kingdom, they didn't release any um, physical retail singles you had to buy the album from the very beginning it's a song that i like but i think it's another one that's just through overexposure i can't have any kind of fresh perspective on it whatsoever yeah i think i never liked it Mm -hmm. it sounded like michael bolton to me and not the good michael bolton (laughs) 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 i'm I'm serious Um, Blow Up the Outside World by Soundgarden is the latest single from uh, Down on the Upside. Um, I have been putting my 89X playlist on shuffle and playing bass along to it. And this song Mm. came up recently and it was pretty tricky. Oh. Um, Just chord wise. There was a, there was a lot going on. If I had sat down and played it a couple times through, I don't think it would have taken long to master it. But just flipping through, I, I was not able to figure out everything that was going in it uh, on it um, on the first try. It's, uh, it's a cool song. I think it's a good one. I agree. I like the song. It's probably my favorite single from that album. My last thing that I wanted to point out on the charts is a song that I don't, it does absolutely nothing for me, but I guess it's pretty major is open up your eyes by tonic. Mm. I don't think that any of the tonic singles are good as an adult. (laughs) That's probably true. I, uh, confess to owning two tonic CDs as two of them. I own the lemon parade. I think I might have two. the one after it. I can't even think of what it's called. Um, but I owned it. I bought it at yeah. Kmart. And uh, yeah, I was on the tonic train. Yeah. 
Uh, they were trying to have it both ways. They were trying to, in the same song, be heavy and be sensitive guy acoustic rock. And I don't think that the mixture works. Yeah. Who do they no. think they are? Collective soul? Right. Exactly. They are no collective soul. <laughs> there was a song. What was the song? A Casual Affair was the first single from Lemon Parade. And I used to love that song. And that's what that got one. me to buy the album. And then If You Could Only See happened. And that was so ubiquitous and bland. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it all kind of like I still kind of stuck with them despite that for some reason i must have liked something else on the album i think open up your eyes i was i was like pretty good with Uh um yeah and then the the second album had a song from like the american pie 2 soundtrack or something Mm. and i was like oh yeah well that was really was that was a monster wasn't that the one this goes uh yeah you wanted more, yes. more than I could give. You got it. More than I could handle. A life I couldn't live. You wanted more. Oh, man, just sounds... say the, just say when you recognize it. That just sounds more Christian. than I could give. <laughs> I'm not quite, not quite there. The album was called Sugar, and it was hmm. released in 1999. When is our tonic special? <laughs> they did sound like a Christian band, though, didn't they? Yeah, it was like you think vertical. That was Horizon. American Pie. I was kind of wondering—is that like? I was kind of wondering if that was like Varsity Blues or something. That was Collective Soul. That was Run. Uh, I remember that one. Um, I yeah, it looks like uh, American Pie. You wanted more? Okay, all right. They were like a cross between like or, or like the precursor to like Vertical Horizon, right? And uh, yeah, and Lifehouse. Do you yeah. remember Lifehouse? I can see that. Yeah. 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 It seems like Switchfoot. they wanted to be like uh... <laughs> Switchfoot, one of my favorite bands from the era. Okay, sorry, that's all right. <laughs> um, let's move on. Uh, I don't have anything else from the chart. Um, the, Quill, did you the have only anything else? thing that I uh, I had never heard of Chalk Farm. I looked them up too. I I checked it out. The song is called "Lie on Lie" from the album Notwithstanding. At number 38, hit blows. <laughs> Listen it's... to me when I tell you I bought that CD at Circuit City for six ninety nine because I loved Ooh. Lie on Lie so much. Six ninety nine, one of the six ninety nine deals. It cool. was, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I, you it was did a... not spend more than that. <laughs> it was a bad album and uh I don't care to reevaluate Lie on Lie. I just no. wanna Keep the memories with me. Yeah, it sounds like um, like toad, toad, yeah. toad light. Like yeah, even, like, <laughs> like even a, a more half-assed version of Toad the Wet Sprocket. <laughs> it is, yeah. It was like I mean I, I have a feeling that the album would be on par with like uh, the Primitive Radio Gods album and the um, uh, Dishwalla album. Mm. Like just bad, na- nasty shit. Um, let's rate what I got by Sublime. Who's gonna get us started? Uh, I guess I will. Um, it's tough because now that we're in this newer phase of alternative music, it's hard to compare ratings. Yeah. For what we're doing now with what we were doing for the songs in 1994. But I feel like I'm just kind of like resetting now mm. because it's clear that we're in a different period and, you know, we're not going to reach the highs that we reached before. So it's all kind of relative to to the era that the, these songs were in. So that being said, what I got is sweet and I give it 4.5 things that i have wow <laughs> wow 4.5 that's, that's high is it <laughs> yeah, i really it's... like it i really like good. it it's yeah. fun good. okay good okay dude <laughs> i feel like um i get what you're saying trev and i i do agree we're in a new uh kind of era um and just a new different sonic palette than what we listen to and 
1994 and 1995 um i tend to rate my songs by just how they feel how they make me feel and like uh you know what this song i don't need to compare it to other songs it makes me happy it's a, a song that i really to this day enjoy listening to um i'm giving it 4.25 tips from me me tips from me me tips from me wise magic wow um I don't like this song as much as you guys like it. I give it 3.5 orchestra hits. Fuck you. That was, I can't believe that what I got by Sublime almost just went into the Hall of Fame. Dude, I was going to give it a four and I was talked into rating it higher. Okay. It's great. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just not sure that it really has that much impact on me these days. I would say that um, Wrong Way and um, uh, Doing time. time are definitely better. Yeah. 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 Doing Time would be a four. No, Doing Time would be a five. Wrong Way would be maybe 4.5 for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, is what I got a Nirvana wannabe? No. No. <laughs> UB40 wannabe. <laughs> you you want to be 40. You forty hey, wanna be. I, you 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 be wanna be forty. I really like red red wine by UB forty. All right. <laughs> Tell me all your thoughts on Pod as part of the Off Shelf family. Head to offshelf.net to sign up for their monthly zine. The best, most fun way for us to communicate with all of you is via our Facebook group. Tell me all your thoughts on. Tell me all your thoughts on Pod. However, we still love receiving your emails at thoughtsonpod at gmail.com. Listen along with the playlist on Spotify, Apple Music, or watch along on YouTube. Next week, we're off to the shaving convention, so don't forget to pack your razor blade suitcase. We'll be talking about Swallowed by Bush. See you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.